and welcome back to Masters of Modern, your modern podcast brought to you by Cracklin' Oat Brand, hashtag Cracklin' Goat Brand. Not really. One day, maybe. Uh, to, I, <laughs> go. I am your host, Alexander Kessler, here with my co-host, Marshall James. Hey, it's good to see you. Good to see you, Alex. Good to sling some cardboard with you after many, many months. I know. Just the other day, MMCast listeners, we streamed a commander game, some video magic, with me, Cass Ben, and Michael Grothy. And we were all just showing up to play some fun magic, and Ben had to combo us out. Yeah, so 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 we're what a what a button. <laughs> we're now doing um, weekly commander games uh, streams every every Monday eight thirty PST. Uh, definitely check out, tune in. Uh, it, it's a blast. Uh, last week we had uh, Tapion, and next week we're going to do some CDH uh, experiences, seeing we, we can get Ben to like commander. So we're trying the most competitive version next. We have Jim from the Spike Feeders. And Brayden from this uh, CEDH cast uh, joining us, and we will will be will be diving me and Ben into CEDH, which is going to be fascinating. And I'm hoping to catch a, cast a Doomsday. <laughs> um, and are you building Doomsday I, cast? I'm build that cast the, uh... something. I don't know exactly which list I will be building yet. In fact, if there are listeners who play CEDH and have a dope cast. Uh, CDH deck list. I would love to see it because I need to proxy one up so I can compete with uh, people that are much better at Commander than I am. So that would be cool. I know she's the centerpiece of a uh, Storm deck, which would make sense. Like being able to have like a constant flashback enabler for like the yeah. turn you're going off. Like, oh yeah, I'll just cast this Seething Song again. My or... she's, she's, she's a, there's a Storm deck, there's a Doomsday deck, and then there's a um, like a, a Exile. There's a, what's the card? One mana? Dark Petition? Not Dark Petition. Dark... You bait... Dar- demonic Demo- yeah, demonic consultation where you just exile your whole deck and cast Thassa's Oracle and win. I mean, that's pretty much that's pretty much the default way to win. Since uh, as like I- I'm not a co- I'm not a CDH player, but I do watch CDH mm-hmm. content um, from time to time if, they, if it's well produced and on the internet. Shout out to uh, casually uh, casually competitive. That's the name of the the stream. They uh, but um, yeah, it seems like since Theros Beyond Death comes out. The, you know, they just got done banning Flash Hulk, but it's like Flash Hulk is old news anyway. We were done playing that because Demonic Consultation plus Thassa's Oracle equals a three mana, two card instant win combo that's really difficult to interrupt without counter spells. Yeah, I, I am imagining Thassa's Oracle does not have long to live in Commander, not just for CDH, right? Like Thassa's Oracle is problematic in regular ADH. The fact that like in casual games, it just is an available option. So that I can imagine being a card going away in Commander. But so just a uh, small sneak peek, but yeah, def- definitely tune in. Uh, we do it on Twitch uh, on my feed. So at Cass Wiley or twitch.tv slash Cass Wiley, or we do it on the MMCast YouTube channel. So we'd be doing Commander content every week um, and we'll have cool guests on and we'll do stuff and, and try getting Ben into another format, partially just because it's a it's a it's kind of uh, scratching that like itch that you no longer can get. Like, I can't go to a modern tournament. I can't go hang out with my friends and Commander is a way we can play online. We also want to do like a two headed giant game and some other cool stuff. So So stay tuned. Um, also, if you guys are going to Gen Con next week um, through like online Gen Con, the digital Gen Con that they're doing, uh, Kess will have like a bunch of streams doing uh, Battle Bosses live playthroughs. So that that is also something that is happening. Ooh. So Battle Bosses. I saw I saw your TikTok the yeah. other day. If y'all are following Kessler on TikTok, <laughs> are you Kess Wiley yeah, on Kess TikTok Wiley also? 
So you should definitely check that out. Came through my TikTok dash of the how sweet the final production. I assume they're the final production. Uh, they're, they're not they're uh, the first. They're the paint uh, test. So they're the first paint sculpt. Uh, they're like off of the sculpts that they did that they're going to eventually use to cut tooling. And it's the first time they ever painted them. Um, so that was like the paint test. The, the, they look yeah, sweet, have- especially the tiles. The board game tiles look so nice. Um, at Listeners to the show may know Kessler uh, owns a toy company that also makes uh, games as well. Look at these sweet sculpts. You got Grack the Goblin Lord and Mechabot um, and Grackthar <laughs> and Mechabot Grackthar, and uh, it's just a cool uh, miniatures skirmish battle game uh, that I had the pleasure of helping to uh, playtest and do a little design work on and. Uh, yeah, it's been several years in the making, but it looks like it's finally going to see the, the light. The plan is for it to come out, like, we'll be delivering Kickstarter backers in October, and then it'll be available, we'll, like, ship pre-orders and then just have it available to sell to, re- to like, at retail uh, in November. And so the, the in fact, starting next week, and by the time this episode goes up, hopefully, if you go to kest.co slash battlebosses, or just go to kest.co in shop, even, uh, there'll be the option to pre-order battlebosses for the first time just for people that didn't back it on the Kickstarter um, so you can buy stuff. You can buy battle bosses, which will be cool because I finally get this game out the door and people can play it. It's awesome. Um, and we'll do live streams next week also on the Kess Wiley uh, Twitch channel. So we'll be doing like live streams for Gen Con. But you, if you're just a Twitch follower, you'll see kind of gameplay or interviews. And we'll also be kind of announcing what our next Kickstarter is going to be um, and all of that good stuff. Yeah, so shout outs done out of the way. <laughs> Let's talk about the subject matter at hand. Um, Fetchlands uh, in the title. Um, so, uh, you know, there's obviously with Double Masters being revealed right now, there's kind of a lot of conversation of what is the cost of a pack? Like what goes into a pack? Why do packs cost the price that they do? Um, weeks ago, there was obviously conversations like Fetchlands keep not being reprinted. They weren't in Double Masters. They're not. Uh, they they weren't in the what's the shuffle them together that just came out also. Um, ju- they Jump weren't in Jumpstart. Start. They're they're not in Double Masters. Um, we know they're not on Zendikar. We've been they, they've confirmed basically that they will not be printing it. Uh, basically, once Pioneer was announced and they banned fetches, someone asked Morrow if Fetchlands will be in Zendikar, uh, and they and his response was, "Well, we just created a new format where the only banned cards were Fetchlands out the gate." I don't think that's a good sign that these are going to be in Zendikar. So that's pretty much confirmation they're not going to be printed in Standard at least anytime soon. Um, and however, we did get confirmation that they are going to be in some sort of sealed pack product in 2020 right. and that means it's probably in uh, and masters. then we were confirmed that it's not going to be double masters well there's only one other sealed pack product coming out so likely it's going to be we're going to see some fetches in commander legends that comes out uh later on this year yeah and and that that is the last of the like november limited spot will be commander masters it looks like that's where Fetchlands are going to be. And and, and, and there's kind of challenges with Fetchlands, and, and it's an interesting place to put it. And also be interesting to see what the po- cost of a pack of that is going to be. Double Double Masters is, is currently selling for, what is it, $20, $17 a pack? Expensive. <laughs> Expensive enough that the internet is complaining. Um, oh, Double Masters? Yeah, like, yeah. I, it's shocking right out the gate that, I mean, we're having the trouble of, like, Wizards no longer does MSRP, so they can never guarantee what the price of a thing is going to be. And with products like these, 
it's even harder to know because it's kind of whatever you can find them for. But like the the default idea for this product is that it was going to be something like $16, $17 default, which is a lot to ask for a sealed pack of 15 I think, cards. I think uh, separate all of that, a really good point on this that like kind of this is a bad experiment on Wizards part because I do believe that the value is going to be there for a pack because you're getting two rares and a foil, right? So like... With that in mind, that that like a, a normal master set is worth the ten dollars you're paying for it, or the twelve dollars at, at times, or you were paying for it. This pack will have twice as much value as a possible open inside of it, except that a human beings are bad at math. B limited is such an important feature to these these formats, and maybe the thing I like the most about them. And like this makes it just that much harder to be able to ever be able to do limited with a double master set, right? Like that's that's I think the big issue. And when this really started coming up, that yes. was my like big complaint was like it's not that the set is like it's the you know this isn't made for you, but the problem is this is a fun limited format, and fun limited formats are for everyone, right? Like I would say limited is almost more fun for people, like more widely adopted than even commander is, and. So you're making a fun limited environment that isn't for me is is kind of but it is because I like lim- I mean it's for me the way I'm 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 a person who if I really wanted to play double masters I I could now I no one can because we live in a box <laughs> um, uh, created by COVID yeah. but also and I have infamous for like buying boxes of sets and then never playing them in limited because I never have the time to organize eight people to show up in one place if I could tr- leave my apartment. Um, as I have three uh, unstable boxes and an Ultimate Masters box, at least within eyesight of me right now, uh, that just will never get drafted. Um, but yeah, so it's 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 an interesting the fo- the first post vaccine draft party that you host. Perfect. I'm there. Okay, <laughs> well let's crack open those unstable. I would love to because I just want the lands out from under them. That's the most frustrating one because they're not worth anything other than the one thing inside each of them that I want to play. <laughs> totally worthless. Yeah, without like, and, it. Unless people start rule zeroing and allowing unglued cards in Commander at all times. Even then, I don't know. Like, a lot of them are just bad, right? Like, I think that, like, the the thing is the thing that they're – it's worth money because the limited format is so cool. Otherwise, the packs are worthless. Because <laughs> even the lands as full arts aren't as expensive as other ones because there's just so many cool full art lands now that – and, like, promo lands and special lands that, like – unstable isn't even on the top end of most exciting um so so yeah so i think that like that's where the problem with double masters right hopefully commander masters isn't this hopefully commander masters is a conspiracy or battle bond like set which i think it will be yeah i'm so worried that i'm so worried that because yeah i mean the the simple fact is the average magic player like obviously we have a hobby that requires a, a certain amount of disposable income but um, unless you have a pretty large amount of sizable income, disposable income, like a lot of these master's products are just way too expensive to do because a draft costing $45, $50 to participate. And again, with a draft, you're not even guaranteed to get rares, right? Because if you open up a crappy rare for limited and you want to build a good deck and there's like a power uncommon, you like take it. I've definitely done drafts where I end up with less than three rares. Um, so you're you're shelling out like 50 bucks to maybe not even get three packs worth of rares. 
it's just really difficult when we know for double masters, which there's talking about its, you know, its limited potential, but at $20 a pack, this is going to be 60 something dollars. And that's before even the prize pack costs, right? So I just don't see a lot of these drafts firing. And so I'm, as a person who's been playing this game for over 25 years now, I am frustrated at the fact that Wizards put so much effort into designing a cool limited format that they then price out of the ability for most people to ever enjoy. Right, which I I do think, like, I think it's a bad timing issue here to me, almost. And part of it is they're realizing that doing draft formats during winter is going to be more beneficial. And right now, especially it is because releasing any product right now is really weird. I I think that they, like, stopped doing Ultimate Master sets, right? They they realized that, like, a a Battle Bond set once a year and a Conspiracy set once a year and hopefully Commander Masters is in that, that price range is something that's needed. And those seem to be the ones they put more effort into doing something cool with the limited environment, right? Like they're doing something exciting. There's new cards. Last year was, it was Modern Horizons and that was a premium pack, but that had more to do with them like printing cards directly in the modern and, and kind of balancing that. And, and I agree more that that's more egregious than even this set is. But um, I do think they're trying to have both, right? They're, they're trying to do one expensive limited format a year and one affordable one and then one third weird set and that's what what uh i'm never gonna jumpstart 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 was right jumpstart was the jumpstart. weird product right that was the arch enemy yeah or um plane chips. Well, and at least jumpstart like jump jumpstart's like an interesting unique thing but um we're already seeing what it is in big box stores like jumpstart's gonna be like five dollars or less mm-hmm. a pack so you get to get, you know, so it's only slightly more than a normal pack, but you get half of a deck, right. you know, uh, and also some rares that are exclusive to it. And some of those are very and, nice. And again, you bring up like Battle Bond and Conspiracy. Both of those things were were not priced above the cost of a normal pack. Um, and they were great. Like Battle Bond still rings as one of my favorite draft formats, not only because of the two-headed giant nature of it, which was fun already, but Battle Bond managed to have lots of powerful reprints, lots of cool unique new effects um it added a lot of cool things for commander and uh, and at the same time was still at a a price point where i could engage in several drafts right, for that right um where like i don't think i've drafted the last three or four master sets because my experience it's so expensive that no one can really afford right, my, to do my experience it. is that i have like enough people buy a whole box and then we'll draft with people and then keep all the cards, right? That's what I've kind of seen happen with master sets. I'm one of those people, right? I'll, I'll normally buy one box of a master set. I'll put it in my closet and then eventually I'll play it. And normally I have less fun with it than maybe I would like because I don't get a chance to play it early. Cause the earlier I'm, I like limited formats as early as you can come to them because I am bad at, I'm good at being good at a limited format when no one knows what's good, but I'm bad when everyone already has like cheat sheets of pick orders and like has played 30 times. And so like they know what to prioritize. And so my one bump up, which is I've just drafted a lot of random stuff goes away because I just don't know that specific format as well as other people. So I, I, I always am bad at drafting sets like a year later. Um, But um, yeah, I, I think it's, 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 It's interesting where they have this problem, right? Because I do think, and and this is kind of where I think my solution at one point was like, like people complain about Secret Lair. I actually really like Secret Lair. I think Secret Lair has its issues. And I think those, there's production issues with Secret Lair. I have issues with, right? The curl, the fact that like 
They need to kind of time it better. The fact that it does cut out local game stores in a way that I don't love. But what I do like about them is that they are like, they're going after the people that want to spend a bunch of money on cards, that want to buy singles, that want to buy exclusive versions of stuff. I also don't even hate, like, I don't hate the VIP pack idea in here. It's insane that it's $100 and they need to make the value for those packs a little bit better. But, but like, yeah. fine, if someone's willing to spend $100 on a pack that literally doesn't get them anything different than what I have, other than just the promos are cooler, go for it, right? Like, that doesn't bother me at all. It's the fact that it's also $17 to buy just a regular pack of this set that I think is where people would have more of an issue. Now, it's ridiculous. It's an insane price tag. But if that existed and I could get into this limited format without having to spend a lot of money, I don't think I care. Like, I may, I might be like, it's dumb to buy that pack, but I don't think it would affect me here or there. I don't need promos. I don't need the Godzilla promo. If I needed it, I could buy it directly, but I don't need them. What I do need is... When I don't, I don't need anything, right? But what I would like to do is be able to play every limited format that's available to me, have the ability to buy packs that come with new cards in them that I might need. That's all stuff that I'm interested in having. Um, yeah. I I guess my feeling is it, it feels like Double Masters, like, I, I agree with you. I think Secret Layer is a really good idea that has been only mediocre to poorly implemented. But I think over time, it, it it's fine. Like, uh, it's a great way for them to harpoon some whales and get some cool promos, and uh, and even occasionally, like, I mean, I bought the cute cats one yeah. for my partner to, to make a cat's deck, um, and I bought the cool Serum Visions arts, because they're all trippy, and I they're thought great great. Gifts. They're great giveaways, uh, like, we've we've done giveaways on the cast, we did a gift to, to I got Michael and Ben two secret layers for Christmas. Uh, did I get you one? I thought I got everyone that was working on the cast at that time, but maybe I got it and you didn't get it. I have one for you, then. I have it over here. I got it aside. Yeah, oh, yeah, hooray! Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Christmas yeah, in July! <laughs> um, and then, like, I got... You know, they're good for gifts. They're also good for reprints, right? Like, uh, Bitter Blossom is just never going to be expensive again because they printed it in a secret layer. Because there's a cool premium one that anyone could have just bought one of at, at, at basic retail. But it's it's a hard card for them to reprint because it's a tribal enchantment right. like, and they're not going to do tribal again. So they don't. And I like it, the charity stuff. They only reprinted, I think, once in that in Ultimate Masters. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, is that the only time it was reprinted? I thought it was in a... I thought it was... It might have been in a, a, like an iconic. I don't know. There's been so many master sets that's hard to keep track of. So yeah, so I think that there's a, I, you know, I I I just want to get now. We've kind of talked a little bit about the conversation around just like the cost of packs, right? Like that's that's something that happens, and 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 really part of the the conversation I want to get into is like why packs can cost so much, and you you hit upon it a little bit at the beginning where you talked about just like. Wizards no longer has an SRP, right? They no longer set the price at, at retail. And the reason that's happened is that's actually just, that's not just Wizards policy, right? Like, for the most part, retailers no longer, and in some countries it's illegal, to have a MSRP, a uh, 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 mandatory um, sticker or whatever, whatever the price of the product is. That's not what it, it's not mandatory, but yeah. Um, it's a... Manufacturer suggested yes, retail yes. price. It's toy, the toy company I own for people. We deal with SRPs regularly. They will not let, like there are customers that, for instance, I've tried giving them SRPs. They're like, oh, we don't take them. We'll sell whatever our own prices tell us the cost. And then there are retailers that are like, what's the SRP? And then MSRP doesn't exist anymore because retailers don't allow you to have a mandatory price that they have to set their price at, which is why Wizards got rid of it, right? They like realized that, 
or they just got enough pushback from the people that they sell to that they just can't set prices and that those prices, if they're doing anything, was hurting um, smaller retailers and other people who were then trying to be able to survive. And, 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 and it kind of puts a weird temple on, on more often specialty stores than big box stores, right? Because Walmart will be at whatever that mandatory price is. But then specialty retailers would need to buy it for a higher price because they're going through a distributor and there's just extra layers to everything. So the, like the universe right. has gotten, gotten rid of suggested retailer. That does. And, and the other reason is that Wizards was kind of getting hit with. And the best example is Modern Masters 1, right? That set was a $7 pack. That set also had more value than most master sets have had since then, other than Ultimate Masters. And then it looks like maybe Double Masters. And the problem with that, what happened was, is it was a limited supply. People didn't know what its print run is, which really no one knows with these master set, what the print runs. Normally it's one or maximum two, maybe a third, if it's like extreme, extremely popular. They, so it's limited print runs. And so what stores did is they just charged $12 a pack. Right. They're like, oh, we'll just charge 12. That's what it's going for online. Most stores sold it for 12. A few sold it for seven as pre-orders. But for the most part, I remember like literally trying to get a draft together and going to three different stores in the region, trying to get packs because no one had them. It sold out immediately. And any store that was trying to sell them were selling them for 12 or more dollars because stores could just do that because otherwise... At that point, it was more valuable if you were if you had a back a box to open that box under twelve dollars than it was if you were going to sell packs. You should just sell them at twelve or open them, and that kind of becomes the issue with putting expensive cards in packs willy nilly is the word I'm going to use right without without kind of being conscious of what you're doing because eventually these sets get printed in a way where if it's a limited run set and the cards in the pack are worth more on average when you open them than they would be otherwise, then retailers won't sell them. They'll just open those packs. So then no one gets to play with that set. No one gets to play the limited environment and they're just basically printing cards for stores. I guess debatable if people want that to happen. So there's a balancing game that Wizards plays of making sure cards are worth it enough to be worth the cost of a pack but make sure the packs on average are worth just a little bit less than the value you'll open them if you just open them straight up that's not to say that you don't get value from them from drafting them right like like kind of every pack you open has a five dollar rider not a five dollar rider a two dollar rider of a limited format on uh, of time available right if i spend fifteen dollars i could go see a movie so if i'm spending 15 and that's gone i just have watched a movie and i no longer own it if i spend fifteen dollars at a limited event that's three hours of my entertainment time plus any value i open so that is part of that price you're paying that's a benefit and that's why you, you should be like as long as you're playing limited opening packs is normally fine right you're never going to get your value back 100% and as soon as you do start doing that stores will open enough of those packs to either lower the value of what those sets are right that's what happened happens with stuff like um Jace uh, the the mind sculptor which we did math on and we'll talk about and you have some of that math um, Jace the Mind Sculptor, when I was in Worldwake, every other card in Worldwake was worth nothing and Jace was worth $100 because by the end of the math, it was whatever, I think 45%, I think we figured out because Worldwake is a small set or something between 25 and 45%, likely that a box will have a Jace. And so you're just playing the Jace lottery. A, a box costs 
$70 at wholesale, $100 retail. You buy a box, you open it. If the Jason's inside, you won the lottery, and it's about a 50-50 chance. And that's why a box was $100. All the other cards were worth almost nothing for years, um, and mostly only became worth something, like, yeah, once Jason was banned in every format. Um, and so... This is the weird dichotomy of what a pack is, right? The 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 value of what's inside a box for a unlimited print run is dictated by that. And then for a limited print run, like every master set ever printed, if the value of those packs are worth more than the pack itself, stores will just open it and won't be available for anyone to buy. Or they'll overcharge or they'll just charge extra dollars. I mean, and I think part of the thing we're running into, though, also is I feel that there has been reprint mismanagement by Wizards, which has gotten us into this problem. Because um, so the fetch lands are arguably the most important cards. in you magic. Know, they're arguably they're the most important card, the or most important lands in Magic. Um, aside from the original dual lands, I would right? Argue they're more and the the only ones that rival them, the only ones that rival them are the Ravnica shocks. And the thing that has kept the Ravnica shocks in check, and they are still crazy valuable, but they they are in check because we have been to Ravnica three times. Every time we go to Ravnica, we get a reprint of the Shocklands. It helps bring down the overall cast of the Shocklands. It injects standard because they're always rare with a, a wash of new fetch lands or new Shocklands. They're always worth in the low teens to mid teens in cost, but it makes them the the market is. And ha- is filled with enough shock lands that if you want them, you can get your set for, you know, under a hundred dollars of a set of four or whatever. Well, we are now about to go back to Zendikar for the third time. And I posit that if the enemy fetches had been in battle for Zendikar, and then we were talking about reprinting them now, right as the Ravnica shocks rotates and we don't have the messy standard where the shocks and fetches are together, we would not be in this fetch mess. And, I don't know if Wizards is enjoying the fact that they can now create some product that will have ballooned value because of their reprint mismanagement. It feels like we're running into the philosophical clash between the idea that magic is a game and the idea that magic is a collectible. And if you think of magic as a game, and if you play it as a game, it's pretty absurd that the game pieces you need to play the game effectively are priced out of your ability to play with them for, I would say, the vast majority of players. Um, the vast majority of players we know are casual players and people who, who don't necessarily have the uh, disposable income to invest in a card that's $100 each. But, but on a casual level, there are many ways to play Magic that don't need fetches, right? Standard is the cheapest it's ever been because you literally can play on Arena for free if you grind enough you have um commander is the most popular format and i would argue there is no card in commander that you need to play with that period uh if you want to argue soaring they've also printed that under the ground so much that it is not like literally every precon has it no matter what so like that's the only one um so and those are the two most common ways of playing Outside of limited, which you can't be free, but we've talked about it has limited is at least there is a limited environment available at all times that is as expensive as a movie and at a, and on arena even cheaper than that because you can grind using the pre-con decks to get enough coins to be sure. able to play a limited event. Um, so from from that perspective, it's not like there isn't ways for any player to play magic. There is formats that 
like modern and uh, that that do have a higher barrier to entry and arguably fetch lands. I, I give the benefit of the doubt. Now, obviously, there's some reprint equity conversation, right? They know fetch lands are expensive. And by putting them in a set, that set is going to be more popular than if they weren't in there. That's what happened with Zendikar. Zendikar is actually a relatively medium limited format. But due to the fact that it was when a lot of new players started, fetch lands were in the set and the world was cool. It's extremely popular. Um, to the extent that like when they came back a second time, people were like, oh, wait, this world kind of sucks. <laughs> so hopefully the third time they're going back to what was cool about it. Um, but I agree that it not being a battle for Sendigar was a mistake. The reason they didn't do it then is because then there would be 10 fetch lands in standard, which like the problem with fetch lands is that without dual lands, they are terrible for fixing mana. They're like not a good, are yeah, they? They, they, they only like, they're they bad if you want to play more than one, two, even if you want to play more than two colors, playing two colors is hard because you have to choose when you fetch to get a color of mana and then you can't get the other one, right? So they're, they're only ever really one color land. You just have to make a choice ahead of time and you can be punished pretty heavily from it. This is Wizard's statement that like by themselves, they're not, they lean people more towards one color and at most two color decks if they're the major way of sh fixing in the format. And then on the other hand, if you do have ways to fix with them, Battle for Zendikar standard is a great example of this. Mana becomes too easy and four color decks become too powerful. And you end up with cards like 100 Color Jace, Vryn's Prodigy, where because you can play four colors in standard, there is a best deck. That deck plays every card that's the best one. If it's not in that deck, it's not good enough. And they can play it because they're playing four colors. And so the format becomes extremely unfun. It becomes extremely expensive, right? That deck was like $1,200 standard deck and was the only deck you could play in standard at the time because Fetch Lands with Battle for Zendikar Lands made it so that it was a five color format basically so like this is wizard's challenge right they've said this now i agree with you that it, it is reprint mismanagement right there are opportunities that have been missed that fetch lands could be printed into it battle bond for instance could have had fetch lands um hopefully obviously we all think uh, commander master is going to have it um i think that um I think that the the there are well, any of the masters ultimate the masters, with master sets is uh, I don't it could have it could have saved the trash master sets like yes. iconic master if iconic masters if you take five or ten like but we really it's the enemy color fetches that are yeah 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 much harder right to now get the average price of the cons especially but if we took five. Take five of the trash rares out of Iconic Masters and put in the five enemy color fetch lands, and now people have a much rosier look back on that. Set. Sure, yes, yes. And just the changing of those I five think, rares. I think the issue with the Master sets is that lands don't reprint as well as other rares do in those sets, more from the perspective of they take up so many slots, and therefore there's not just as many of them, and you need more of them. Like, I don't think, I don't think a Master set is enough. Like, I, I don't, and, and I think that they then fall into the other problem we mentioned, which is they make the set EV too high, where then either the prices become naturally inflated or unnaturally inflated by stores raising their retail, or people stop selling them and they become sold out. Like, the, the problem with Master Sets is they're limited products. It's a limited print run issue, right? That's why I like Conspiracy... Didn't Iconic Masters have a negative EV problem, though? Yes. That ultimately yes, the packs were worth I almost don't, nothing? I, don't, I think that is a hindsight is 2020 issue. Like, yes, it would have been Iconic Master should have had, had fetch lands in it. I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I just, I just don't okay. think, um, like the reason it wasn't in there is a good reason. And just in hindsight, that set needed those to be in the set. Cause that's it. That's the set that had 
the Horizon Canopy lands, right? It had, it had not Horizon Canopy lands. It had Horizon Canopy, and it had it had the t- the time shifted, not time shifted, the Future Sight land cycle was that set, I believe. I, I think I think you might like, be right. So that, yeah. That's like, and at that time, those some of those cards were seventy dollars. Like like Horizon Canopy, I think, still is a fifty dollar card, even though there's four five other options to play with it. Um, it might be lower now. It might be twenty. Um, I know Ben kept buying it and then it got n- announced that it was reprinted like two days later, twice. <laughs> he bought like his first two and then Iconic <laughs> Masters was announced like a week later. And then he's like, oh, I'm not going to buy them. Never mind. And then he bought his second two. And then Modern Horizons announced that the rest of the cycle is being completed a week later. It was sad both times. <laughs> um, but the, the, um, like, I, I think that, that, like, hey, they were trying to print a different, uh, land cycle i think they did i mean it has been in an ultimate master or it was in modern masters too right like there has been fetch lands in those sets and i think part of the issue is the way wizards timeline works where there's like a moment where they're like it could fit here it could be on battle for zendikar it could be in Ankai masters but it's not great here we don't really need them to be here it's not the perfect moment for this and we have this other thing that we think they could fit for so they're like, and this is what happened to Damnation, right? Like Gavin Verhey re- literally wrote an article when, um, and Damnation was like a $70 card. It hadn't been reprinted forever. It was a joke that it was never going to re- re- be reprinted. Uh, uh, from the Vault Annihilation came out. Everyone's like, it has to be in this. It's like literally the board wipe from the Vault wasn't in it. And he literally in the article was like, we get that for- Damnation isn't the set. It's because we found another place that it would be a better fit for. And then that card got bumped. Like, I think it was, like, within, like, three months it was supposed to be at the time of, like, making it, or they thought it was going to be in it, and then it got cut, right? Like, it, a different team decided that Damnation shouldn't be in Standard. And so, <laughs> and so then they're like, oh, damn it, we have no Damnation reprint in the window that was supposed to be reprinted. Oh, Damnation. Oh, damnation. And now we have to wait an entire year because we worked so far ahead of time before we're, there's another opening where we could put a damnation in. And that was the next master set. And it was there. Um, and so I think that's what happened to fetch lands in this age, sit, like situation. It's what happened to uh, another example is inquisition of Kozlak. Like they didn't put it into a, like a master set. They didn't put it into another set. Cause they're like, Oh, we're going back to Zendikar. There's no way we don't print inquisition of Kozlak in our return to Zendikar. or return to Zendikar. Absolutely. 100% going to be in that set. And then they get there and the major, mechanic is that every single Eldrazi spell has to void, meaning that they can't print Inquisition of Kozlak into the set. Um, and so they're just like... I still feel like that That was like... I, I understand that it was like a flavor fail. If They, they still yeah, should have put it in like, there. And that's, I think that's... Like, I, that's I, I, it's strange the ways that sometimes wizards hue so closely to like, but, but for flavor, for design elegance, we have to do it this way. And there are so many times where I'm like, if you had just not told us, none of us right, would have noticed. Right, right. Like, had Inquisition of Kozilek been in Battle for Zendikar or Oath of the Gatewatch, not a single person yeah, it- except for random Melvins would have been like, um, actually, it's very interesting. This is the only Eldrazi spell that doesn't have Devoid. Right. Like- well, like, and like, <laughs> hey, you could have themed up like Achille, who is like a betrayer to the core and the Eldrazi and is a black-white character doing it. So it's like people working for Kozilek incorrectly. Also, like... Liliana literally uses the chain veil, blowing it up to fight Bolas and defeat him in card art in War of the Spark. And that does not happen at all <laughs> in any of the story beats of that story. She, as far as we know, the chain veil is still hers. She still just has it. <laughs> and it is destroyed in yeah. card art. So, like... I mean, Dak, Dak Faden got killed in the trailer. And 
in a set with 37 brand new Planeswalkers, they couldn't give Dak right, Faden right. one. <laughs> and and some of it makes sense, right? Like, Dak Faden not being a more of the spark sucks, and I think, and not even being on card art being killed, like, he should have been the card despark, and he kind of is, which is extra annoying, like... <laughs> exactly, yes, um, yeah, 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 or in the Elder Spell, it looks like it could be him getting killed in the Elder I Spell, I meant, but yeah, it's yeah, not. Elder Spell. Like, literally, all you needed to do is give that is it looking guy a red dyed arm, and it's Ral, or it's, 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 uh, uh, not Ral, it's Dak Faden, and everyone is happy, um, but they didn't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I agree. I feel like they could have also made Mono Blue Narset part of her veils. That could have been oh, Dak's yeah, card because he's like searching for things and he's stealing your opponent's card draw I think spells. They wanted Narset around more often than they were getting was my is like the only thought. Uh, yeah, I mean she did show up all of a sudden. Yeah, they keep again, doing but... it. So I'm, which I'm not against. I like, yeah. I like Narset as a character. I like Sarkon in general. I think is my yeah, favorite no... storyline in Magic. So I'm down for other characters from Cons Block being around. Um. Yeah, I think I think that like I'm more explaining the reasons why these decisions were made, and and they're all like innocent decisions, right? Like Inquisition of Kozak like, wasn't reprinted because they're like, oh no, we need to save this uncommon and need it to be twenty dollars in modern for years. It was like them pushing it from one set, thinking they could put it somewhere else, and then the design teams on that set deciding against putting it there against maybe the wishes of the other team. Like it's it's like a comedy of errors every time, and I think that's kind of what happened to Fetchlands. Where, with the extent of there's limits on fetchlands, right? You, like a, a good example is they can't fit French. They can't print fetchlands in commander products because the the true name nemesis issue happens. Where they printed true name nemesis, it was an eighty dollar card um, into the second commander set, right? The Grixis one, uh, and yep. and that set was a set that like basically had this huge issue where every single Grixis deck sold out. It was gone. Impossible to find anywhere. But because sales were fine, retailers got inundated with like the Naya one that didn't sell many copies or the other ones. And it created this like weighted distribution problem that like doesn't work. Like it could kill a product if that happened to it and there wasn't like good follow through with it. And so you can't print it in like, you can't print it in sets where they're guaranteed you. And when you do, you'll have either, you'll have problems like you had with the the secret layer that goes to stores where like Wizards was like, oh, this should be $250. Or this should be like whatever price they said on that live stream. And then it comes down and it's like $300 at a retailer or $400 at a retailer because they need to take their markup and know that they could charge that. So they're not going to do differently than that because that's how the business of being a card store who's already hurting for money at this time of year is going to work. Um and so yeah. you run into this issue where like they, you have to find the right home. And, and and in reality, the right home is a set that is being printed on to, to demand or printed to demand. And there's only one of those a year. And I and I honestly and like last year was Modern Horizons, which they made the rule that there can't be any cards that are already modern legal in this set. Or there was one. I forget. It was it was the five basic lands, right? There was it. Or was there one addition? The Snowlands. The yeah, Snowlands were the five only. Snow lands, were the only and that one. was it, right? That and there's a reason for that, and because the snow was a major part of the mechanic. Fetchlands didn't really make sense in that environment, and and wasn't enough for them to break the rule on that set. And so this is the first time in literally two years that they've had a chance to reprint. And when they 
were Battle Bond Fetchlands weren't back up to $80, right? They weren't back up to the $60 price point Scalding Tarn is at. Because at that point, they had... It would have made so much sense in Battle Bond, though, with their enemy color yes, um, kind of theme As going it on. It is a mistake that they did not print um, them in Iconic Masters. It is a mistake that they, they didn't reprint them in Battle Bond. And it will be absolutely a mistake if it's not in Commander Masters. And you could push me over with the feather if it's not. Yeah. And I, I think... So, I think there are a couple things here. One, this leads me to be something that I'm that I'm really worried, like, in, in the grand scheme of things to be worried about in 2020, one of the most inconsequential things that I'm worried about is I'm really worried about the cost of Commander Legends. Sure. With with how expensive Double Masters is going to be, I, I've it's turned me off. I'm not terribly interested in like I know the spoilers are coming out and I'm checking them out when they when they come out and like but I'm not planning on buying much of this cuz it's just too expensive for a pack of random cards when I know there's going to be um you know bane you know balefire dragon-esque mm-hmm. rares that I'm going to just I know I'm just going to crack them every time and be like why did I spend this much? it's like I I don't buy the collectors boosters I'm not going right. to pay that much money well, I think for collectors boosters need to be better like, it's yeah, just absolutely yeah, like and 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 double masters feels like haha. There's only collectors boosters of this set, and I'm right. like, okay, well, I'm not interested in collectors boosters. And my fear is because we we know we know a couple things. We know that Commander Legends is likely going to be the set that has mm-hmm. fetch lands. We know that it is a Commander focused set, and Commander is the most popular format in Magic, so it's going to draw a lot of attention. We also know that the packs are going to have guaranteed three legends each. And will be twenty card packs. They're going to be larger than standard size. So the fact that it's going to be twenty cards, uh, the multiple legends imply that there might, like double masters, be the chance at multiple rares in packs, and um, the hype they know is going to be around it and the fetch lands. I'm really afraid that Commander Legends is going to be a twenty plus dollar pack um, product. And so even though they're talking about how exciting they are to have a draftable meant to be played as like a commander, like commander draft set, I just see it coming out and costing just way too much for any plebe to ever actually so, draft So I it. don't, I don't think that's going to happen. And I, we don't know for sure. Right. And I, I would bet, I would bet you a battle bosses premium edition. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I will bet not harassing you to watch Avatar The Last Airbender ever again. <laughs> um, uh, that I will watch it. <laughs> that it will be, A, it for sure won't be $20, right? A, they're getting so much bad feedback on Double Masters. Double Masters is not $20, right? It's under $20. I think that there might, there will definitely be. It's $18. There'll definitely, there could be a VIP pack or there could be premium versions of packs that I think will exist, but I don't think the base pack will be that expensive. I think it'll be under $10 and I'm guessing it's going to be five to seven. Um, I, the fact that there are 20 cards in pack makes me feel like it won't be the normal $4 cost for a pack. Wizards already is leaning towards wanting to move to closer to $5 a pack anyways. Um, and my understanding is battle bond was five dollars. How much was a battle bond pack pack? It was regular yeah, yeah, yeah. packs. I, I regular would guess pack that cost. it's it's maybe a dollar so. more than what Battle Bond was. I would like in that in that range. And and the reason I say Gosh, that I hope. is because a they do that a year normally, right? There's a slot for a non premium pack. Um, as far as production goes, Unstable is kind of a similar price point. They're a little bit more expensive, but that had more to do with 
the limited supply because Wizards didn't believe Unstable was going to be popular, so they didn't print much of it uh, to the extent that I like bought a case. It got lost in the mail, and by the time that the store was willing to refund me, I could only buy three boxes within that two-week period versus the six boxes I bought for the same price, and I'm depressed about it to this day. <laughs> um, congratulations, UPS or USPS for whatever box you have that I don't. Um, the the But I, I think that this is a set that will be normally priced and printed to demand. Now, printed to demand for non-standard sets is always weird, right? Because it's not the same as a standard set where they like have planned printings between now and the end of the year that they'll go to every major retailer. These are these are going to be kind of like unstable. The, now, now, I think one of the reasons Fetchlands are in it from a business perspective is they realized that they needed a way to guarantee this to be popular. And they've realized that maybe on these sets... As if Commander Legends... I mean, that's I think that's the crazy part. A set like Commander Legends, as it's been laid out, like, I'm no Wizard Insider, but there's no way this isn't going... And the only way that... Commander Legends fails is if it has $20 packs. Yeah, I That's the that. only way. And even then, it probably still harpoons enough whales to be successful. Um, and that's sight unseen. We don't know any of the cards in it, except for we can argue that the five enemy fetch lands are going to be in it. But and from a, from the perspective of Alex Kessler Toy Company, it's hard. It's so hard to hit the target of what you think people are going to buy. And... You generally people lean towards being conservative and this is retailers right not not necessarily the manufacturer like battle bond was underprinted conspiracy one was underprinted conspiracy uh, unstable was underprinted but conspiracy two was overprinted uh uh plane chase two was overprinted the 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 um i do blame wizards for uh conspiracy two's failure as a love of the monarch mechanic the fact that they released conspiracy two two weeks before the pre-release of kaladesh was just a recipe sure. for, like, you never got a chance to draft it because Kaladesh immediately came out and people wanted to draft a standard relevant set more than fun. Conspiracy 2, which was also immediately, Conspiracy 2 was also admittedly lower power level than Conspiracy 1 and had lower reprint value also. So it was just like, it was. It almost feels like it was set up to fail. These like beautiful mechanics abandoned to a terrible time slot. I don't know if the terrible time slot, like that, that was when like they were releasing Commander product at that moment. That's when Conspiracy 1 was, like Conspiracy 1 was released at the same moment. I think it's more of an issue of, this happened with Masters, or Modern Masters too, right? They have an idea. And when you have a new idea, you need that idea to succeed so you can make more of that new idea. So you go for it. You do the best you can. Then that idea is successful. And you're like, oh, crap. We have now the ability to come out with sequels. We have we can do the second one. But we used every good idea we've had <laughs> to make that first set work. So Conspiracy is a great example, right? They like literally six months of time of an entire team of people plus the rest of the company getting contribute when they wanted. What is the coolest stuff we can put in draft matters? What's the coolest cards you can have to be able to reveal in a draft? Then it's successful. And then like, oh, wait, we have to make another one. Okay, what were the ideas that weren't good enough to make it into this first one? We'll start with those. Or what was unbalanced about that first one? We'll yeah, balance it. And by balance it, we mean make it so like all the conspiracies were less powerful than the first right. time around because conspiracies were just bonkers. And OP, so it's less fun because people are doing less fun things. It's funny because I drafted I drafted conspiracy one just uh, actually this past year at Burning Man. We drafted conspiracy one. And the crazy thing about conspiracy one is the set itself is terrible. 
all the cards are underpowered, super underpowered. What makes them powerful is how insane the conspiracies sure. are. So you draft a ton of gnarlid packs. <laughs> like you just draft a bunch of gnarlids and then you get those conspiracies that buff up all cards named gnarlid, you know. Uh, that's how that set worked. Is you you drafted around your conspiracy all day for skittering lizard dot deck. Just like one drop red creatures, yes. the skitter like lizards plus one plus one now. The skitter lizard bird of paradise yeah, combo bird of paradise because there was like a, <laughs> yeah all day yeah. for that and and it's funny because then like conspiracy two has a more even power level among the cards, but the conspiracies were so much worse, and the draft matters cards were so much worse, and the monarch best mechanic ever. But was not enough to salvage that. Um, and also, I do I do think at the time, it was the closest together two pack sets had ever been released. Because I remember feeling really upset, because I was such a huge fan of Conspiracy 1, so I was so stoked on Conspiracy 2. And when it came out, and I found out that, oh, two weeks from now is the Kaladesh pre-release. So I got, and I missed one of the weeks because I was at Burning Man that year. So I got to draft Conspiracy 2 exactly once before Kaladesh came out and yeah, nobody wanted to draft it I don't, I don't know anymore. why that felt so much short because I don't disagree. I, I mean, like, look at Modern Masters, though, right? Like, there, there are other successful sets that have been, like, right in between other formats. War of the Spark, I played two, three times more because of Arena. And then four weeks later, Modern Masters 2 was, Modern Masters, Mo, sorry, Modern Horizons was out. And then four weeks after that, M20 was out. And then four, you know, so it's not like... Yes, and this is something I've always had a problem with, is that Wizards is Wizards is still operating under years and years and years ago, when there was only four sets a year, and they decided, well, we'll just release each one of them at the start of a business quarter, and that's going to be our release schedule. Um, but we're going to fudge it a little bit, because we also need to account for like the school year, because so many of our... Yeah. So many of our uh, target audience are students. So they skewed it a little bit. So you had this huge desert that happens at the end of the year because they want to release their fall set right as the new school year starts. So right in September, it comes out. And then for a long time, nothing came out. October, November, December, even January, like the spring set would come out the first week of February. And that's how it was for years and years and years. And so they would crowd all of their releases in the summertime because they're like, all right, students are out of school. They're going to want something to do. We got to give them magic to buy. And only now are they starting to explore the idea of what if we release sets all year round instead of crowding them all right. in the and, summertime. And some of that, like last year, they learned the lesson, right? And and we talk about this all the time. Wizards takes two years to, to, to react and maybe at the shortest a year for supplementary sets. And so, I mean, I know just from conversations I've had with Wizards employees that like a year ago, they were actively talking with retailers and people on like we get that the release schedule from last year was a lot and we can't tell you that next year is going to be absolutely better but we can tell you that we realize that there is a moment between september and december that there is a lot less product and there's a moment between april and july and august where there's too much product and we realize that there's a way to distribute this better and we plan on doing so i think they will do that and and you know they do it once in a while right like unstable came out right before christmas uh, that one summer, that one winter was iconic, then unstable, then December. And that had more to do with like the way they did the marketing for those sets was problematic. And a little bit of like them not believing in unstable, which was kind of my point earlier, right? With, with conspiracy that like the second sets, the things are, th th it's hard for them to know if a new type of product is going to do well. And therefore they underprint that first one. And, but often they try their hardest on those ones, or at least they put every good idea they can come up with in one of those. And so those end up doing, having a proportionality that's weird in distribution. 
I mean, I guess the weird part is, I because I agree with you, but I don't think Commander Legends is truly a new product. Commander Legends feels like they took the good idea that was Conspiracy, like, what if we did a multiplayer draft set? And the good idea, like, and they refined it when they created Battle Bond. Like, Battle Bond feels like a spiritual successor to Conspiracy and feels like their best stab at it yet. If it's Conspiracy, if Battle Bond is actually Conspiracy 3, it's the best Conspiracy. And I feel like Commander Legends is Conspiracy 4, and I have no reason, like, you're going to take the most their most favorite product, the product that they love so much that now they're coming out with multiple Commander pre-con decks a year, and they're going to merge it with their ever-evolving, ever-improving-in-quality multiplayer draft format. Like, I have no reason not to believe that Commander Legends couldn't be their highest-selling, best-selling, non-standard set of all time. And by, and by the way... And that's, again, not knowing any so, of the cards so that are in my it. point, and that, that kind of is my point in, in some ways. Why fetchlands are in the set, or not just why fetchlands are in the set, or, or an argument for fetchlands to be in the set that that is helping here, and that is, you can say that all day long as a person who knows what you're talking about. I agree with you, and most people will maybe agree to you, but convincing retailers and convincing people at higher ups to invest in the product to be able to ship that much is harder. Even though that might be true, right? To buy into that truth, to then have enough product to be able to fulfill demand. Except if you put Fetchlands in that set, now every single person on the planet's like, oh yeah, I need to buy this because like not only are my limited players going to buy this, not only are my commander players going to buy this, commander players famous for not buying product, but my ma- my modern players are going to buy it, my legacy players are going to buy it. Every person's going to want cards from this set, so now I need to def- go deep onto it, and I won't. I can pretty much guarantee I won't get burned because literally every Magic audience wants this set, and so now Wizards, unlike with Unstable. Unlike with Battle Bond, which is weird, unlike with Conspiracy, um, can print a demand in a way that they probably haven't been able to before. So I, I actually am really interested to see if they if they pull us off, right? When we might be like we've just talked three times about moments that Wizards wasn't smart about the decisions they were making in regards to how they're reprinting stuff. But a Wizards are some of the most smartest people I've ever met in my life. So that it, it's more just corporations are dumb <laughs> from the fact that no one is organized. It it is more about were they able to kind of pull this off and do they know that they did it? And if they did, it's possible that they're printing more fetch lands than they would have been able to print in commander masters. If it's in commander masters, than if they printed uh, excluding being in a standard set, which they basically stated they're never doing um, due to the fact that it's not good for standard. So, so, and I hopefully it's a, I hope it's a $5 pack, right? Like that's, that's where I'm at. Um, me- yes. I mean, all of this, like, all of my harsh criticism of Wizards aside, if Commander Legends comes out and the packs are 5 to $7, I'll be a lot more satisfied. I'm really hoping they're $5 packs. I, like, I, I feel like, ultimately, we are just buying cardboard. The, the cost of them printing a fetch land costs them no more money than it costs for them to print Squire. Like, it's the same, the I, same, same. I do disagree with that, uh, but that's a different so, conversation that I guess we can get into. But, yes, finish your <laughs> sentence, though. <laughs> So, I mean, just, like, I understand, okay, it's a 20-card pack. So, if it's the same cost as, like, Jumpstart, right, cool. Right. I'm with it. Like, and that's kind of my, my hope, because I would love to draft this a lot. I would like to draft it a lot. And if Wizards makes it more than $10 a pack, I will get to draft it maybe right. And I, I, you would, could push me over with a feather if it's more than $10. Uh, where it's under ten dollars, I don't know. All right, I'll get my, yeah. I'll get my feather, I'll um, get my I'm feather prepared. ready. Because I'm, I'm, I'm bracing... I'm bracing for honestly, I believe they're going to be sixteen dollars a pack, like Double Masters. 
I yeah I I that's, absolutely that's, not. <laughs> that's that's my that's that that's my fear. Partially that's because my they've fear. stated it won't be it to some extent, right? They've said, and, and in regards to the fact that they've said as part of like Double Masters from the beginning, this is the most premium product, right? That's like kind of like the, the, there's a VIP product that's a hundred dollars. This is the most expensive thing you can get. It's two packs in one, or it's the value. Versus Commander Masters, which is just like this is command. We figured out how to do Commander Masters. This is a set like, and it's not Masters, right? It's or is it called Commander Masters? Is that official? Commander Legends. Commander Legends. It's Commander. It's not Legends. a Master set. You've been saying Commander Masters this whole Commander time. Legends. Commander Legends. Commander. It's not even a Master set. It's not. It doesn't even have the name in it. So it's not a premium product. It's a. It's a print demand draft format. So I think it'll be the price of a Battle Bond pack, maybe a little bit more expensive because of the the extra pack cards. Like like. Now, do you think? Do you think? The fact that fetch lands are going to be in it will cause its retail price to go way up. Only regardless. if it's not because that's my other fear. Demand. And when I say that, I mean this year is weird, so I'm giving the the back door to myself on COVID messing things up. <laughs> but and there could be a moment like like this will happen with unstable, right? Unstable was worth the packs you were buying for you were buying it for the the, the the retail and then like a week happened and then every retailer was like oh crap i can't get any more so the five boxes i have left i maybe could sell one of them and the other ones i need for draft and and but i can maybe charge a little bit more so i'm going to charge more until i get more and then once they got the second wave packs went back down to the right price and then and then eventually they just sold out of of, of product in a normal in a normal fashion because at that point in the draft format comes out whatever um so if Wizards doesn't overprint the first run or it doesn't have a seamless transition from first run and the second one and the third run, there will be moments where it goes up I, 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 as long as the draft format is popular. Um, but I think my kind of my my thesis is that Fetchlands being in the set allows them to attack this problem more pro, more proactively than they have with other new type of limited product releases. Right. Like because there's Fetchlands in this, I can I can tell my store you should be buying more of this because there's Fetchlands in it. And they'll be like, yeah, you're right. Worst case scenario, I can charge more for these packs. Or I can just open them. And there's a fetch land. And I know what the cost of fetch lands are. Like, we, right. I think we did the math, right? It's like... Right. I mean, that's... That's that's my... That was my one other thing. I, I know we've gone really long. But, like, one other thing that I'm, I'm interested in is if... Uh, like, what this will do... Like, if... The fetch lands are in a pack product that is five dollars a pack. What will this do to the price of something like Scalding Tarn? Uh it goes to thirty dollars. Ballpark prediction. <laughs> uh like when they were when they were Which would be yeah, great. They were, printed, I mean, they, they were yeah. twenty bucks, right? In Zendikar packs with the packs being printed at that time, they are twenty dollars and and it was just for standard and legacy. I think Scalding Turn could be 40 bucks. I don't know if it'll go down to 30. I think 30 is the bottom. I don't think it'll ever go below that. Um, I think some of, I think like Aaron Mesa goes under 20. Do you think very likely that they'll be printed at Mythic Rare or do we, will we get them at regular Rare? No, I think it would be weird. It would, I think printing them at Mythic Rare pisses off a lot of people. I think that's like choosing on purpose to have a PR pain in the ass now they know that's a thing that's coming so they might be preparing for it now they've been doing that yes, a lot I, lately and honestly Wiz wizards under the uh iron grip of hasbro have basically made one pr nightmare a month for the a month past is, 
a month year is and a, half, a month is so. kind. <laughs> yeah, one PR fluff. I mean, already there's a PR there's a PR dust up coming on over the alternate art dark confidant that's oh, in Double Masters. Yeah, so that art is not a good look. I before I even saw that there was a dust up, I was like going, "Is this cool? Is nope, this? It's not. Is this? Am I just overly sensitive? Is this giving me weird feelings?" Uh, yep, but uh, I'm looking at the guy real hardcore, trying to be like, "Is he dressed in Orzov robes? Am I just like, is he just an Orzov guy?" And I just applying, don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Am, 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 am I implying my own internal biases to this art and seeing something that's not there? And then I saw a lot of uh, Asian magic players being like, "Wizards, this isn't cool." And I'm like, "Okay, good. I'm not right, just right. hyper paranoid." Uh, <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I mean, like, we're giving a lot of credit on, like, how they print product, and this is a financial thing. As far as all the other stuff, Wizards has a lot of work to do to to kind of, A, make up for this year, and B, like, make actual changes structurally to make everything better of the things that they're doing bad at. Um, yeah, I mean, real quick thing that I, I believe it was Vince Pleasant Kenobi who pointed out. <laughs> so I yeah. just have to talk about it real quick. Double Masters has... Uh, they brought Mark Tadine, classic magic artist, uh, back to do the alternate full art Double Masters promos for the Urzatron lands and for Karn Liberated. And they look cool. It's cool. Mark Tadine, everything looks like it's made out of brains. Uh, and it forms a panorama, the four cards. And some graphic artist inside Wizards punched in on the Karn art. So the so the four-piece panorama oh. doesn't line up when it gets to Karn. It's off because they punched in by like 20% really on Karn. Funny. I'm putting it up on the screen right now. <laughs> Look at this. Who cleared this? It's like so... That one doesn't bother me that much. I mean, it's I, just I so... Talking about like the fact that specific artists were still being used and 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 like other issues but i think those changes will happen i think it's just once again we're dealing with the fact that wizards is a slow juggernaut of a corporation that also has a release schedule of two years ahead of time so decisions they make now don't actually get seen for a year but it would be nice to be which makes sense especially when we come to things like commissioning art and right, right. all the graphic design like stuff that has that, like, to do so tn art is going to be in battle for zendikar but that will be the last time because they stopped working with her in december and then that that that's kind of the the last thing that they commissioned or before the first, when that happened, the problem is that they're just like not verbal enough of changes they're making. And that's, I think actually what my wish was is that they like were a little bit more public with their active decision-making on how to be better at these things. Um, at kind of those issues. And, yeah. Yeah. Especially in light of, um, of the whole gruel friends. Well, that's, thing. that's what, like that's what after, forced the decision, right? After, that happened last November. And at that point, the last yeah. artwork that Teresa Nelson would have done art on, which for those who don't know, Teresa Nelson is a, a turf, which is a problematic trans exclusionary radical feminist. Um, they're not feminists, yeah, yeah, by they the just, way. They're, they but, are very transphobic. It's basically turf. Turf itself is a problematic term because it's also it's too not kind, wholly yeah. accurate, but it just basically means a a woman who is yes, a transphobe yeah. because because. They dispute the womanhood right. of trans and, women. And, and she was very public about it, and she did it in a way that was, um, uh, she did not apologize. She joined J.K. Rowling yeah, she, in she the... She, like, didn't apologize in, in a way that was apology. And she kind of did what 
Kevin Spacey did, which was like, I am actually this minority group, so you can't be mad at me about this thing that I'm doing that's bad. And it was not a good look. And then she... What minority group did Kevin Spacey he came out put himself as, in? as gay at the same time. Oh, oh, like I said, I'm gay. Therefore, me sexually harassing people is Correct. totally yeah, cool, right? Did, which is like right? very probably just a fucking monster. Or, sorry, and then he put out or, really weird, creepy YouTube uh, videos. Yes, it's all bad. <laughs> all bad. Uh, and then... <laughs> and then donated a bunch of artwork to QAnon, which and is that- also a whole other problem. Teresa Nelson, not, not Kevin Spacey. She donated a bunch of artwork to QAnon, which is an alt-right... Conspiracy group known for conspiracy and theory. Other very oh my gosh, QAnon! What a rabbit yeah. hole. Uh, so somewhat of a non sequitur. On that note, shout out to a podcast. If when you're done listening to this podcast, you want a podcast that's all about the crazy thing about just the craziness of falling down cult rabbit holes on the internet. There is a fantastic podcast series from the New York Times called Rabbit Hole, and it is all about how the internet is radicalizing people. And it is fascinating, excellent investigative work. I highly recommend it. They go into there's a whole episode on QAnon. Yeah, it's yeah. it problematic all around. Um, it's going to be really interesting seeing the economics of if Fetchlands are in Commander Masters, which it, all, Commander Legends, which all things point to, if the price point is at a price point that is, you know, grokkable or, or affordable to most people. So under $7, basically. And if that set is going to be printed to demand in a way that other uh, uh, printed demand sets, but smaller releases like Battle Bond, like Conspiracy 1 and 2, uh, were not. Um, and what that does to the price of cards, like, does that make Fetchlands... L- more affordable and what does that look like and i think that it's going to be just like kind of a uh uh a moment in magic kind of the existence and and what happens now and and when it comes to reprinting things i do want to bring up like in a lot of ways wizards has not been bad at this um in some ways they have been right and and there's like distinct cards and fetchlands are the biggest one i think and really the only card i can think of that hasn't been printed in a way to supply de- not demand but in a way that like hasn't been consistent right like scapeshift was reprinted last year in m20 um uh, scavenging losers were just reprinted um like the last couple m sets have had pretty decent reprint equity and the power level of recent sets on a different issue have been so powerful that even new cards are worth playing in modern. So like you can pick up new cards that are staples in older formats that are in packs right now. So like on both axes, wizards has been pretty good at it. Secret layers. And, and, and on top of that, the problem is, is that fetch lands are, and you mentioned that they're, you know, comparable to dual lands. I think they're more important than dual lands. I think fetch lands are the most important lands. I think the fetch lands are the most important. The, the Zendikar enemy fetch lands and really all 10 fetch lands are the most important cards in Magic by a wide margin. Um, like in Legacy, I can play a competitive Legacy deck with three dual lands from Unlimited or Alpha or Beta or whatever I have. But I need 12 fetch lands. In modern, I can get away with a few shocks, a few man lands, uh, or creature lands, a few um, uh, of the new horizon lands, not horizon lands, yeah, hor- a, new, a few horizon lands, uh, maybe a fast land, maybe, you know, like a, a combination of those, but then I need 10 fetches, or I need 8 fetches, right? Like, I just need those, otherwise my deck doesn't work. And like... Especially with the printing of Mystic right, Sanctuary. especially with Mystic Sanctuary. Um, well, the like, nice thing about Mystic Sanctuary is like, uh, uh, um, the deck that... One of the decks that benefits from Mystic Sanctuary the most are blue white decks and Hollow Fountain, or not Hollow Fountain, uh, Flooded Strand is just cheap. It's like one of the cheap. It's surprising how much cheaper Flooded Strand is than other 
fetch lands. And part of that, I think, is just like blue-white decks are normally two-color decks. So even if you can't get your flooded strands, you can just get away with the other ones you own because <laughs> you don't really need them to be that great. But um, I guess that's the crazy, like that's the real crazy part about fetch lands is they're not they're not dual lands. They're enters the battlefield untapped, like five-color land. Because they can all fetch a shock land that makes, you know, any two colors really that you need if your deck if is playing. Fetchland can find every color you need, right? There's no, if you have a blue-white one, there's not a color you can't get. Because you can get blue-black, blue-red, blue-green. Yeah. Yeah. And so, because the fetch lands exist, they're all just like one life, perfect land. So, uh, if if there were, you know, the Utopia or whatever, if Utopia was just when it enters the battlefield, you lose one life and it taps to all, make all colors, like, it would be the most insane land ever printed, right? And that's basically what the fetch lands are. Even when you bolt yourself, like, we're talking about modern, like, we're masters of modern, the magic format where everyone starts at 17 life, because everyone is going to at least uh, fetch shock themselves, or they're going to fetch and thought see somebody, you know, like, everyone starts at 17 life. Oh my gosh, by the way, as someone who has long hated having to play against uh, Ugin in uh, out of car, out of like Tron list, watching current standard with people accelerating into Nyssa and then accelerating into Ugin and like Ugin just like annihilating people on turn five is like, <laughs> I don't, I don't envy standard players oh, right yeah. now. Printing Ugin was an interesting choice. I feel like it was a bad choice. It's, I feel like well, it was a bad choice. Standard is so weird because this standard shouldn't exist. Right? Nothing about this standard. And and for the next year, standard shouldn't exist. In this standard, when the future playtest league was testing it, companions worked differently. Oko was legal. Uh Veil of Summer was legal. Um Once Upon Once a Time, upon was, a time legal. was legal. And that world is so drastically different than the world we exist in that I don't know what it looks like. Now, I think Ugin may have been included because I think companion decks in the future league were that much better. And Ugin is very good against companion decks, right? Like almost all the companion decks other than maybe Yorion, like have real problems with an Ugin hitting the battlefield. Cause it just totally negates all of the work they've done with Loros and whatever they're doing, exiling cards. And so Ugin was supposed to be a gift to ramp decks, it feels like to me, to fight against companions. But companions are terrible. Like, they changed the rules, but they're, like, barely playable. And now Ugin is just, like, this huge power gap to the the best ramp I've seen in Standard ever. Oh, yeah. It's crazy that we're in a Standard that does not have cards like Rampant Growth, which they've said Rampant Growth and Farseek are too strong for Standard. Like, it's the reason why we don't get... Sig- new signets or new talismans in standard. They just think that a two mana ramp spell is probably too good if it's not attached to a creature or something like an explore or growth spiral. But now we have between like growth spiral and Uro, who, oh my god, don't even get me started on. Uro feels like a card. Uro feels like a card that I found on like the MTG Salvation Create a Card <laughs> Forum where I just would have to pan them for being so out of whack with the power level. Uh, and now I'm like watching, like I'll watch content creator videos and I'm still blown away by how like insane yeah, Uro it, seems. It's like between Arboreal Grazer, it, there's actually, I, I really recommend it and eventually it'll be free right now if you have 
if you have premium, if you have premium Star City's account, uh, uh, Patrick Chapin wrote an article about like rampant standard, and it's like fascinating, and and like we could do a whole episode on rampant standard. Standard, if maybe a hot take happens eventually, but um, definitely recommend it. Uh, this episode's gone long, and, and we, I think, I think the whole Twitter thing probably is going to end up being a hot take. Um, so I'm going to uh, sign off, and hopefully one day we can talk about ramp. Um, Thank you so much for watching. Uh, big shout out. We forgot to do it, uh, but pinkies up to uh, the um, patrons, not patrons, the nobles of House Modern. There's like a special tier where we get to say thank you to you guys um, every week. Uh, Andrew Kelso, Cam Albergini, and uh, Brandon S. Russell. Pinkies up. Uh, thank you to all our other patrons. You had a very interesting discussion this week on the raw feed. If you don't, uh, if you're not a patron, we went on to that whole. Uh, Whole whole transit. Just talking about the state of the, of the world. world. You get to hear me and Marshall's thoughts on how the world is, and it's sad. <laughs> um, so definitely check that out if you're a patron. Even I think one dollar. I think it's I think it's the next tier up. I think one dollar just gets a thank you, but uh, a five dollar tier you get access to the raw feed, and it's always cool. There's a bunch I swore at the beginning of the episode. I opened up the raw feed with a swear word today. Um, thank you to um, and thank you to patrons in general. You are the reasons we're able to do this. You help Marshall uh, be able to afford to to edit this podcast and, and, and make all these things happen. All the pictures you saw here and all the good sounding content you get uh, is thanks to our patrons um, and people on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube uh, and you can't afford to be a patron, the easiest way to help is to subscribe and like, and, and make sure to watch videos. We'll, we get ad revenue and all that stuff. So thank you so much. I know there's been some issues with ads. We're trying to figure it out. It, they, YouTube changed their algorithm. So they started just because our episodes are so long, they put tons of ads in there at random times. And so we're, we're trying to figure out how to reduce that without totally losing all of the money that YouTube gives us because also how we afford being able to do this. Um, but please comment. I would love to hear what you think about Fetchlands. Uh, please like and subscribe. Uh, make sure to check out every single Monday at 830. We are doing a Commander live stream. Um, next week we will have uh, the Spike Feeders and CEDH cast on battling against me and Ben, schooling us in how to play uh, competitive com uh, uh, Commander. It's going to be a wild one. Um, and as always, um, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Kess Wiley. I'm at Marsh Unfocused. Uh, we are at the MM Cast. Ben Bateman is at Ben Bateman Media. Michael Grothy is at Duddard, Duddard, D-U-D-A-R-D-D. There's two Ds. Um, and yeah, just Kess Wiley everywhere. Twitch, TikTok, as Marshall mentioned earlier today, I do have one of those. <laughs> uh, check and out the TikTok. While. Um, and make sure to check out Battle Boss and Gen Con. So many shout outs. Thank you so much to everyone. And we will talk to you all at some point soon we're everywhere we were, we're posting content daily not daily but once in a while bye <laughs> bye this has been a production of time traveler media sending podcasts into the future